We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast brought to you by Prize Picks. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me this evening, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I'm good. There was a little extra on that one, wasn't there? My voice is trashed. That's why. Is it? <laughs> this is a good right. time to like go out and, and do karaoke. Because I, I got a little rasp, I got a little rasp to it right now. What would be the what would be the go to? I think we've talked about this, but what would be yeah. what would be the go to? Oh, with this voice right here, uh, Allison Chains, man of the box. Whoa. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You want to hear James Belt? That's Let's where you it. go, right there. Uh, and of course, joining us is Brendan Nunes from the Kings Pulse Podcast. Brendan, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, finally finished moving. And I do not recommend it to anybody. It is chaos. I have not been having fun, to be honest. <laughs> but it's done. Oh, as my mic falls, my setup is still uh, figuring it out. So I'm doing all right. We talked about this you- last week uh, or earlier in the week that uh, Sean and I never want to move again. I'm never going to move again. They're going to have to like pull me out of here in a box. Well, first of all, <laughs> if I'm moving, the- it's not that I would never want to move again. I don't like going through the hell of moving, but uh, I feel like I'm. You learn things along the way, and uh, I think I just pay people. That's what that's what it comes down to. Just pay people. Uh, it's worth yeah. it. Yeah, I I'm glad. You know, there's that age where um like you're like where Brendan's at, like the from like 19 to like 28, where you and your friends all move all the time. And so you're always helping someone move and you're always like, Oh, this is horrible. I don't know why we're doing this. And then you get to the stage where everyone's getting married. And then you get to the stage where everyone is having kids except for like two people. And then they feel like left out. 
And then you get to the stage where half of your friends get divorced and then you got to choose sides. There's all of these stages <laughs> in life. I do not miss the moving stage. No, no, I'm not glad to be living it. And I think I'm going to be one of those two friends that you mentioned for what it's worth. That never gets married, never has kids, never does and anything, well, you know. We'll see. I don't believe I think, you. Uh, I, I think I'm. Uh, I I am now the more the most centric, the 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 uh, of of the Kings Beat podcast, right? Closest to Sacramento. I think that was always the case, but. Well, yeah, you're the by no, far closest to the are. arena. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a trek. I'm a trek away. Uh, let's see, podcast candles. Oh, of course, and yeah. I have no clue where mine is. Oh no, Brennan's let us down with this lack of podcast candle. Oh yeah, I have no clue where anything is right now. So all right, that it's makes perfect sense. Yeah, he's got a blank wall. Behind, Taylor Swift would call it a blank space. I mean, we're that's eventually a whole, what is that? gonna we're eventually gonna put things up. You know, it's just not happening. Yet. Oh nice. Let's see what that. Is that is that, is that this, uh, I've had I had this behind me. I think previously. Not that the other thing. Oh these. Well these are not framed correctly. Obviously. Okay. These are uh, freelance stuff I did for the B back in, oh, pretty much Christmas 2021. See, those should be on your mom's wall. Those shouldn't be on your wall. Yeah, well, know. you know, my mom would you, have to be proud of me. You, you vain bastard. <laughs> <laughs> my mom would have to be proud of me. Uh, that's a good place to start the King's Beat podcast. Uh, <laughs> all right. So if you are listening here, uh, well, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to the channel. That would help us. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, thumbs ups are always good. It helps with the algorithm. Uh, number two, if you're listening on some sort of audio, uh, make sure to give us a rating and review wherever you're listening to your King's Beat podcast. We totally appreciate that. Uh, we're still in planning phase for the upcoming uh off the record with the Kings beat virtual non-virtual happy hour meetup. Uh, we are, we are working tirelessly on it. I am at least, uh, between that, that and working like three jobs. Um, whether Sean believes me or not, now no, Sean I, knows, Sean knows we've had this I discussion. Know. Um, and let's see outside of that, jump on board with the Kings beat, go to the Kings become a premium subscriber to get invitations to everything like the, uh, all the writing that we do, but also uh, the off the record with the virtual happy hours and the virtual, uh, the real meetups. Um, so we'll figure all that out as we start trudging through the season a little bit deeper. Um, man, the Kings are four and four. Uh, I expected them to be better than four and four a week ago. Uh, a few days ago, I did not expect them to get back to four and four this quickly. Um, let's just start here. Um, I guess, where are we at with these two wins? Because the Portland win, um, it took overtime to beat a bad Portland team missing three guards, uh, their three best guards. Um, and then uh, the Kings show up against OKC, and it looks like the 2022-23 Sacramento Kings. Just where are you guys at with uh, sort of the, the state of the franchise after eight games? Well, I, I mean, was, you've got – go ahead. Do you want to go? Yeah, you go. So I bad. was just going to say, like, I enjoyed watching the Sacramento Kings play basketball the other day. It was a good time. And I feel like we haven't seen much Kings basketball this year. And I would describe, like, Kings basketball as, you know, what Mike Brown wants at least is physical, 
fast and together. And I feel like they checked all those boxes against the Thunder. A couple of their first games, I think maybe their first three games were pretty solid as well, but they really fell out of it. I thought the or the Portland game was horrible, to be honest. You know, you came away with a win, and I guess that's all that matters. We're going to look back, and it's just going to be a tally in the win column, so that's what matters there in the end. But not a great defensive effort against a team that was coming in as the worst offense in the league and missing so many of their guys, and then Brogdon goes down early in the second quarter. But they won. The OKC game was easily the most encouraging, though. Like, Kevin and Domas were playing out of their mind. Keegan found ways to be effective, even though his shot wasn't going down initially. I, Keon Ellis is starting now, apparently. And that's like I, your dream. I know. I just, yeah. Yeah. Like the tattoo might need to be on the face. I don't know. <laughs> you could have a teardrop, a small teardrop hmm. in no, the I shape of Keon Ellis. No, I, I, I haven't earned a teardrop tattoo. You could definitely earn the lower back tattoo though. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> look, I, I think, Sean. I think there's a there's a there's something to be said about you know this team going through its struggles. Obviously, played five games now without De'Aaron Fox. That's significant. Um, but playing against a Portland team after the losses in in Houston, which who by the way has won five straight. So um, yeah, the, I think I made the comparison i said that they're having the start like last year's utah jazz team did i mean who were kind of defying the odds now i mean houston may be a good team uh i I was impressed with their starters i talked about that before and um i I think they're significantly better than last year and they've got a a head coach that knows a thing or two so about especially about being on overachieving teams so i think um uh putting them aside I, i i look at that blazers game and i think with all the tough talk that the Kings had, had done and all the little, you know, honest conversations and maybe tinkering with the offense and getting back to trying to look more like themselves, um, playing the Blazers was like a was almost like the the perfect recipe because as you mentioned, they're down a few guys, Malcolm Brogdon goes out, but what did what the Blazers still looked like themselves. They were playing a very competitive brand of basketball and a a what do we have to lose mentality. And next man up, they keep their identity. That guy goes down, they keep their identity. And yeah, it took everything in the Kings weaponry to try to put them away. And and uh, there's something to be said about winning that way against a team like that, even if it is ugly, to help kind of rearrange and 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 kind of recalibrate. And I think they did that. And I think coming into Oklahoma City, maybe the end season tournament thing had a little motivation there too in terms of excitement and something new and and just a kind of having something that's refreshed but you have this new um energy coming out of that that game and i think it really kind of helped get get the guys right um you're not you're no longer overlooking an opponent because here you are with the oklahoma city thunder who have you know aspirations of competing and being a playoff team in this league this year so uh i i think they got up for this game i think it showed and I think they played a beautiful brand of basketball for the most part. And I think it is interesting in that game too, against the, the, the thunder, they were able to show that they can continue to play that brand of basketball, even when shots aren't falling. You know, you mentioned, you know, it was great to see Ke- uh, Kevin Herter come out and have a season high, his season high in just the first half alone. But then you have, like you mentioned, Brendan Keegan Murray, who's struggling with his outside shot 
finds other ways to contribute, probably using Keon Ellis as an example of that, because Keon Ellis, obviously not a great shooter, but able to impact the game in, in, in a variety of different ways. And I thought he was sensational. But then you watch Keegan, he is who's, a great shooter, you know, just so you know. He is yeah, a I mean, great shooter. they go they go 17 three missed threes at one point. Keon's the one 19, that hits it. But I think uh, I, no, we went back. I did the math and I'm not good at math, but I, <laughs> I, no, I no. found 17. If it is 19, that's great, too. But okay. looking back at it, OK, looking back at it, though, Keegan bringing his shot in is like, all right, screw the three. Let me go in and try and I dunk on Holmgren. I've got a couple mid range things. That almost kind of gets him the confidence again to, all right, let me step back out here and hit a three, and all right, all, all's well with the world again. So just things like that. They're just finding other ways to compete, and I think them, you know, that Domas looking more like himself, finally getting that triple-double, uh, but also being more aggressive, and I think we saw that in the Portland game. Um, certainly him being more aggressive on both ends is great, but uh, not missing as many free throws. Certainly the, there's going to be some struggles with turnovers right now as they look to increase the, the ball movement, but... Um, yeah, I think that was a, a big step in the right direction for them. And I think that uh, it'll be nice if they can if they can roll this over through the weekend uh, and not kind of fall back into some bad habits. OK, so lots to unpack, right? Um, the Kings just look dreadful over the weekend against the Rockets. Like and, and I don't think it was like, oh, they came out and they played down to their opponent or like any of that. I think that they they walked into games totally unprepared and got stomped. And what it did is it revealed that there were some systemic things within their offense, maybe even within their defense that they weren't comfortable with. And I think it was actually a, a, kind of a good thing because they, as a team, it feel, it feels like they had like a, like a coming to Jesus moment. And they had like a, a really loud conversation with everybody involved. And it wasn't just that, this player is doing something wrong or this player is doing something wrong. It's that the coaches are doing something wrong and the players aren't following what they're supposed to be doing. And, and everyone needs to get on the same page and we need to scrap whatever it is we're doing and make some, like some clear changes right now. That's what it felt like. We get to Portland and you think that there would be like this massive, like, okay, almost like, you know, the Oakland Raiders, you fire your coach and you just, stomp somebody that's what i think we all kind of assumed but i think what it did was it spoke to the fact that that there was something wrong with the offense there was something wrong with the defense and the team had to not only talk about it but then had to go out and try to fight through the mechanisms that were incorrect and try to get right and so that's where I don't think this was about like, again, playing down to your opponent or playing up to your opponent. But I do think that playing the Portland Trailblazers and even going into overtime is probably the best thing for this team because they were able to work through some of the issues on the court and figure them out. So they had a practice. They worked through some issues against Portland. They come back the next day. They reconvene. They go through practice again. They clean up some of the things that that they started to do right in the Portland game. They came out on Friday and we saw, we saw the best version of the Sacramento Kings from last season. That's what it felt like. And so maybe I'm way off with that, but it just feels like this team needed, they, they needed that Portland game to, to fix what was wrong and not just fix it as in we have to play better, but fix it as in, 
Like we have to, there are specific things within our offense or, or defense that, that actually need repair and we need to take on that. And so, uh, and I, I'd also say the only reason I think they didn't blow out Portland or at least like really beat up Portland pretty bad was because Keegan Murray didn't hit his shots at all. And he just kept shooting and they, they kept missing and I'm not calling a guy out. He's trying to fight through it just like everyone else is. And I think it's part of this whole thing where they're just a little off uh, and then they weren't. And so I hope there's carryover, but I thought the the game against OKC was a very, very good game. Like Kevin Herter looked like Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray struggled, but then all of a sudden started to look like Keegan Murray and Keon Ellis can shoot. Uh, but I just thought he was tremendous. Like his, his ability to fight through screens and to be a functioning member of everything that they're doing. I just thought it was, you know, really, really cool to watch a young player who no one expects anything from uh, this season because he's on a two-way and you expect him to be in Stockton and instead he's starting for the Sacramento Kings. So um, let's start with the the Kevin Herter thing. Real quick. Uh, yeah. Just, I want to react to one thing there. I actually think the Kings treated the Blazers game as a loss. Like I don't think anything was necessarily fixed in that game. I think it was fixed as a result of that game because uh, that game could have very easily been gone the other way. Uh, mm-hmm. I agree with you about Keegan was a big contributor there, but there was still a lot of things that were wrong in that game that they, that they had to sort through. And I think coming off of that game, sure, certainly they were, they were might consider themselves lucky or fortunate to be able to close out that game. However you look at it, I think they treated it internally as a, Hey, this is another one that we chalk up as a loss because like there, we still have a lot of things to, to, to deal with. And I think it's, that's kind of what I was alluding to, which is you get the win, which is fantastic. I mean, a win is a win. You're not going to take it away, but internally you're trying to still hammer home details that, that this team just isn't doing right now. Um, and, and you mentioned the come to Jesus meetings and it's like, man, you're not even 10 games into the season yet. And you're already having that. That could be alarming. So even with your best player out, we get it. But um, there's a, uh, for whatever reason, things clicked. And look, we've seen this team compete. I mean, the Warriors game is something Mike Brown will, will point out to even without Fox in that game uh, the, the in San Francisco before they went to Houston is that they looked, they, they still kept an identity to them. Certainly they were running in mud in that game too, I would, I would argue. But this is a game where the pace picked up against Oklahoma City where the pace picked up and uh, they, they just, they looked more like, Hey, the next man down, that's fine. Here we kept our identity about us. And and that I think was the most encouraging part. I yeah, think I would it was say- the best physicality that we've seen. Like, and that's just been preached tirelessly. You know, they fouled a lot in the process of getting accustomed to this increased physicality, but only 16 for Portland or for OKC in that last game. And SGA is a guy that's really good at getting to the line. Honestly, thought OKC could have got a couple more calls. But I think when you're extremely physical, they can't blow the whistle every single time. Right. I think that's part of the logic to an extent. And it frustrated OKC. Like you saw them complaining at refs and clearly just looking flustered. They weren't getting into their offense smoothly. And that led to so many good looks on the other end. Like we mentioned, Kevin and Domas were so good in transition and in the half court, like the physicality that we've been talking about so much. That was easily, I feel like the best we've seen. And maybe that Golden State game that Sean mentioned. I would say too the the Thunder while they're extremely talented, they are a group of a collection of players. Um, and like the, some of the pieces are greater than the whole still. 
Like you don't see their design, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They are, they're really good defensively. Uh, they're good individually as defenders, you know, SGA, Lou Dort, uh, Chet Holmgren, even, uh, even Jalen Williams, I think is a good defender. Josh Giddy's a good defender, right? But on the offensive end, they don't have a structure in place to rely on like the Kings do. And that's something that I think showed up like the whole time. It's a lot of one-on-one stuff. Um, a lot of like getting the ball to the basket, uh, which of course the Kings are always bad at defending. Um, but, but overall, I think that like we want to see them as a team that's ascending right now. And there's still, you can look, there's still a team that's probably a year away from being legitimate, like threat where, sure. you know, maybe even two years away from being a legitimate threat, just because they don't have something to rely on. And I, I think the Kings well, did a good job of throwing They, they have a, they have a legit star in Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think you could rely on him. Absolutely. Well, no, no, they do have that, but they don't have a system to rely on. And, you know, again, if Shea goes cold, that team, I, I think, is in trouble because the it's, it's just so much ISO ball, especially with Shea. Shea is like, he's like ISO Joe, like very, very similar player. And I, I mean, like Joe Johnson in his prime was spectacular. And I, I think Shea is very similar to, to uh, Joe Johnson, um, just in my opinion. Um, anyway, um, let's get to what the Kings, like, again, we're seeing Kevin Herter. We like Kevin Herter. The first week of the season was, was a mess. And, and a lot of it, I think was coming out of training camp. He was a mess in preseason coming out of training camp. He was a mess, but then we started to see him start to build. And it's been the last three games, even the, the second game against Houston, where the, the Kings were just, just awful. I thought Kevin Herter wasn't. There was a different energy to him. He was moving. He was playing defense. He was fighting. He was rebounding. We get to the Portland game, and you got to see a little bit more of the old Kevin Herter. And then finally, we get to this game the other night where Kevin Herter, for the first time this season, actually looked like the, the Kevin Herter that we saw for most of last season, for probably 70 of the, the 82 games. Um, the Watching the transformation of him has been really interesting. From like Brennan, you remember the first time we went in there and we started talking to him about him losing his job potentially to, you know, him starting to find himself and like a little bit more confident, but then to where we are now, where it's not just like, Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? But Hey, Kevin, how are you going to help Keegan get through like the mud that you just got through? And so I, I think it's kind of an interesting, uh, like, like transformation that we've watched um, Brennan, we'll start with you. Just where do you think he is? You think he's back or do you think still some things he's, he's got to work through and we're, we're starting to see more of the player we're used to. I think the shot is back or at least seemed to be back last night, right? Four of 10 is, is a good rate for that to go down, but I thought he was great from two. He did a great job again, running in transition and that pace that we talked about, like, isn't just open court, it's half court as well. And I've always thought that's one of Kevin's greatest skills is that he's sprinting on ev in everything that he does. And I thought that was absolutely the case last night. He went seven of nine from two and I, I thought was great in that aspect. I actually think he's been even better than last year. Like recently there's, I should say there's aspects that he's done better. Like obviously the rebounding that we've talked about, mm -hmm. right? He had nine rebounds in that game. That's the second time in the last five games. He's averaging 5.5. Last year, he was at 3.3. 3. 
He's gotten a steal, at least one, in each of the last five games. He actually got three last game, two in the game prior. Like, I think that we've seen him respond to maybe some adversity, right? And embrace that physicality when maybe it didn't look like he... I don't want to say he didn't embrace it at the beginning of the year. Maybe he didn't understand fully what it looked like or how that would work in live action. And I think that we've seen him grow to understand that. To your point, James, like the energy around him and just kind of speaking to him has definitely progressed a lot. And he admitted previously that, you know, he's a guy, like I'd imagine a lot of athletes are, that like you're very up and down based on what happens in between those lines. And I think that's supernatural, but he seems to be higher right now and I think it's understandable he's playing great the offense looked like it was back the last game but I, I think he's been doing a lot of little things well connective passing rebounding being physical on defense the rebounding's crazy I know we've talked about it before but he's like skying up there and he's six seven like this should have always been a thing right but it finally is and he finds himself in position to to do so quite often which is great and I think maybe before this, you know, this group has kind of pointed those opportunities out for him, or maybe before he's looking at just getting up court, you know, getting, getting to his spot and, and, and not realizing that there's a rebounding opportunity to be had. So uh, I, I, you know, I love Domas two man game with a lot of people. Usually it's Malik Monk, the one that I kind of rave about the most, but last night it was really impressive. And I kind of put a little montage together of most of which happened in the first, first half. I mean, they, they were so successful OKC really had no answer for it. And I think, honestly, Kevin is an example also of things that happened in games prior. Like, I don't think Kevin has looked as bad as as, as he did in the, in the preseason and in the opening week of the season, for sure. Um, I think having a game like he did against Oklahoma City, for sure, though, gets him that confidence back. But I think that was already kind of back in building. Like, he, he came out with a – he has one of those games where he's flirting with a career high again his career high is 30 uh finished 28 and you know he kind of funny mentioned about that i had forgotten that there's an in-season tournament where you have a point differential where you need to run up the score on your opponent for this tournament and, and uh i know the thunder had taken a had, uh had taken some exception to him trying to hoist up another three uh but as he pointed out he said, i wasn't going for my career high i was trying to get the point differential and i, I thought it was good for a lot of people to hear that and um, just saying, if that went down, I believe they're tied with Minnesota right now at plus seven, and they're above Golden State, who is one and zero, but right. only won their game by one. So that, yeah. that three going down would have you at first right now. And it also, like Kevin Herter was unaware of that and was like, "I don't want to be disrespectful." And they're like, "No, no, hoist it, hoist it." And then he's like, "Wait, did are they trying to give me my career high? Like, I like whatever." He was confused by it and was like, "Okay." And they he did have ten rebounds. And then they took one away. And they took it away. Well, they gave it to him, and then they took it away. Yeah, it was, so they it was very straight. Yeah, they had to go he back. Was at nine at the at the end of the game. Then he went up to ten when we went downstairs to go uh, into the interview room. The official box was at ten. Then he went back down to nine, and it was on uh, Domas right near the end of the game. Tipped the ball back out to him, and I think they gave the rebound to Domas after the fact. So, okay, uh, like one of the cool things about what we're doing here this season on the Kings beat is um, we're on board with the prize picks. And so one of the things I've really enjoyed about this season is, number one, I'm not the only one playing prize picks. There are a bunch of my media friends. Sean is still a curmudgeon and has not jumped on no. board. But but me and Brendan and then some of our other friends, 
like we're talking trash to each other like during the game about our ridiculous prize picks right brennan I, I mean, I don't do it on the Kings games, but I do. Yes, I am a part of these conversations for sure. Brandon's I got Chris smart. and Frankie on each side of me that are playing. Matt George in front of me playing. Alan, new host for Sacktown Sports over on the other end. And then you doing it. Like everybody is playing prize things. And I think everybody like had similar bets yesterday. So it was, it was kind of a funny moment. Yeah. And, and like, look, we're just having a good time with it. And that's what I think the cool thing is about prize picks is you can win like 25 up uh, 25 times your, your uh, whatever you're putting in. Um, but I just think it's cool. And and one of the things that I keep choosing is I keep going more on Kevin Herter's rebounds. And for some reason they keep putting them way too low. And I'm like, I don't know. I like, it seems like a weird thing to just put like one stat, like a, like a rebounding total. But every single time is, oh, that's too low. And that's because Kevin Herter is doing a really good job of rebounding. So um, jump on board if you can, if, you, if you're interested in prize picks. I think it really does like add a different element to watching a game. Uh, you can play you know, with your friends or you can make in fun of me on Twitter when I put out my prize picks every game and I absolutely get destroyed. Um, but... Again, it's just a it's a cool way to add something different into your your basketball watching experience. So go to pricepicks.com slash Kingsbeat and uh, jump on board if if you uh, you want to get involved and and again like send me your picks. It's totally fine. Um, I'm really bad at it, and that's sort of like the running gag that I'm not very good at price picks. But either way, it's adding a new element and like me and Matt George sitting there. Uh, like going back and forth the whole game, trying to like refreshing the phone to see if like <laughs> Sean shaking his head. <laughs> you went less than on a handful of people for the first time. And, and I got killed. It did go great, James. <laughs> uh, yeah, all in I, good fun. It is all in good fun. It's all in good fun. Um, let's get back to the other guy who um, seems to be finding himself. I thought our uh, post game with Keegan Murray was really, really interesting uh, on on Friday night. Um, he is like he's not a like a shameless self promoter. He's the opposite. But to like have him literally just kind of look at us like everyone knows that I'm having some major troubles with my shot. Like I thought that it was like a really honest moment, and it was good to see a kid who knows that. You know, like the shot's not going down. He's got to go try something different. And it started with the big dunk over, um, well, everyone dunked. I, I think I dunked on Chet Holmgren at one point. I like, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah false I, cap. <laughs> cap. Cap. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like watching a player fight through his struggle has been really interesting to watch. I, it was interesting with Kevin Herter to watch the frustration and watch him like slowly get through it. But where are we at with Keegan? Oh, Sean, we'll start with you. Cause this is a kid who like, is there so much expectations on him this year as opposed to last year? And so far he's really struggled to live up to it. And then you get to this game against OKC where like, holy cow, he fights through and, and, you know, what's he finished 24 points, 10 or 11 rebounds. He has three steals. But uh, where are you at with with Mr. Keegan Murray, Sean? 
I mean, keep on shooting, but but I like what he did last night uh, against the Thunder. It's like, okay, my shot's not going down. Let me find other ways to be impactful, even even as a scorer. And and he did that. And and I I mean, boy, that was some aggression he took out on Ch- Chet Holmgren and on that dunk. Now, it's I had to ask him because I know that wager that him and Fox have about you know who's going to have the best <laughs> body dunk at the end of the year. And I thought this one might be there but he said fox didn't uh consider it a dunk on holmgren because he was off to the side domas one was more in his face either way i mean Lame. he needed that he needed that dunk he needed that moment to just let it all out and look he still had a couple of mid-range things that happened i think i think it's really frustrated him when he's really just labeled a three-point shooter i mean this is some of the st- he exhibited some of the stuff on the offensive end that I want to see more of where it's not just come out to your spot and, and chuck a three. Like what else do you have? Take, can you take a guy off a dribble? Can you be uh, a guy who can, can ISO? Can you be a guy who can just shoot over the top of somebody when you have a mismatch? And I think he did that. I think he did that several times. And then when he went back to the, the three point line and had an opportunity from the perimeter and let it flew, let it fly, it 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 went down finally like he he had another moment it's like okay great and now you just kind of move on from there and i think last night can go a long way in kind of flushing some of the struggles that he's had certainly i don't think he's out of the woods but i think it it helps with his confidence because you can see he was he's been wearing it he has absolutely been wearing it with, with some of the shot struggles so um to see him kind of turn a corner and say all right if i'm going to struggle great i'm going to find other ways to uh be productive he was pretty blunt in sharing that like last year, if shots weren't going down, I probably wasn't playing because I didn't do anything else. Right. And, you know, he's making a concerted effort to change that this season. And we saw that, you know, three of 10 from three. Um, I think a couple of those came in that third quarter. He had about he had double digits in that third quarter where Sacramento just could not score. Um, but yeah, three of 10 from three. But you also got five of seven from two. You got those 11 rebounds, four of them being offensive. I think offensive rebounds have been huge for the Kings this year. Um, 16 in this game. They had 15 in the game prior. They also had 15 in that first game against Utah. And, you know, with the shooting that they have, finding shooters after those offensive rebounds, I think has been really good for them. And he's just done a little bit of everything. You know, I, I think that it's really what you like to see from Keegan because that shot is going to eventually go down. And like three of 10 is not horrible at the end of the night. You know, like that's still an okay rate. We were just talking about Kevin hit four of 10 and I'm like, oh, that's a good rate. You know, one more goes down. I will say, by the way, he had one like crazy air ball and that stood out to me. I was like, I think Sean, I leaned over. I said like that, Sean, you were looking down and I said, I think he just missed missed that by six six feet. Yeah, Yeah, it was really bad. Like I, I was stunned. I mean, it didn't even remotely. It wasn't even close. Yeah, just totally bizarre. And And at first you're like, did he get fouled? No, I don't think so. He just, so uh, like Katie keeps talking about him drifting, which I totally, I totally see. Like he's not squaring up. He's, he's deciding like halfway through his buildup that he's shooting it. And so you almost like see him like turning, turning, turning in the middle of his shot. And I, I think he's starting to clean it up. And when his feet are set, he almost always hits it. Uh, but I, I think we're going to see him like this is part of it is him learning how to be more than just a catch and shoot player and, you know, playing off the DHO as much as Kevin Herter did last year. And I think Keegan probably, if we went back and looked, 
there's probably we got so used to that play where they're coming off the top and and Domas is setting the screen and giving them the ball. I think we probably if we went back, we would see that he took an extra step and got clear of everything more often than this year where he's almost like jumping through the screen and going up right off of the screen. So, uh, you know, I think he's making adjustments. I think he'll be all right. Uh, the fact that he's averaging 1.5 steals per game is nice. Well, he's averaging 6.8 rebounds per game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'll get through like Keegan Murray is not going to shoot 35% from the field on the season. Um, that's just not who he is. And we'll see him, you know, shooting 25% from three, uh, 25.8. He's up to that, but the 37.5% from the field is pretty alarming. Um, and, and that was the other thing we were mentioning with Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter is averaging 5.5 rebounds per game. Like really, really impressive how he's taken upon himself, um, to, to step up and be something more, the uh, one downgrade in rebounding has been Harrison Barnes. Yeah. And I guess other guys getting more boards could be a correlation there, but he hasn't exactly been great. No, no. So let's get to that because, you know, we can't talk all about the positives that are happening with the Kings, but um, I think on paper, if you were to say, okay, Harrison Barnes is averaging 12 points a game and that's not horrible because you expected some other players to step up and be more than they had been the previous year. And you look at his field goal percentage, like 47.8% from the field and 40.5% from three, but nothing feels right. It, it actually, like after, if you take away the first game of the season, I think he's probably averaging eight points a game, right? Like this has not been the start that we expected to see from, from uh, Harrison Barnes. He's still playing major minutes, but... What do you guys, I mean, again, the, I think the rebounding is like an indicator. We saw it, it started in like February where he stopped rebounding last year and averaged like three point something rebounds a game the whole second half of the season. But where, uh, like this point in the season last year, uh, Brendan, you made a bold proclamation. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, like say that that's where we're at. But again, something doesn't look right with Harrison Barnes. To your point, I said this last year too, and it eventually came around, you know, like early in the year, it did look pretty concerning last year and he eventually came around. Like he had that huge game against Utah. I think that Harrison is at a point where ideally you have him in a team construction where whatever you get from him is an added bonus and you don't want to necessarily rely on like a set number of production. You know, I think he can is good as the fifth guy out there, fourth guy out there and fills holes. You know, I don't think it's too often that you're like, God, Harrison totally blew that one. You know, like there are some defensive possessions here and there for sure. But I think more often than not, he is, you know, flowing, keeping the offensive flow going, doing what's asked of him defensively. Um, the shots, are going down at an okay rate. I think it's 33% if you take out that five of seven in the first game against Utah where he ended with 33. And like, it is concerning. Like you want to see him do more with the rebounding, but I don't know. Like, I think it's fine if Harrison has a slow recline every once in a while, he's going to have a quarter where he has 10 points and six free throws, you know, like, I don't know. I've kind of come to accept in my mind that, 
whatever you get from Harrison is an added bonus. And I don't know that I'm expecting a set production every single night necessarily. Yeah. Which I mean, maybe it says it, something. It'll be interesting to see if teams kind of lean into it more and say, all right, we don't have to worry about Harrison Barnes. And that's not going to be the case because he's still a threat from the perimeter. Um, they still consider him a weapon, but it, it's just a mentality. I mean, I don't know if it's a, the slow build and whenever it's like, I'm not really worried about him. I think you have to still respect him on that end. Um, you know, there are, there are things within the, the, the Kings do that, that still make him important to the team. And a good portion of it has to do with spacing a good portion of it on the offensive end, a good portion of it has to do with his length and having to respect it. Um, but I think that th- if I, if there was one thing about Harrison where I'm most concerned of, it's usually, it's usually has to do with his, his scoring ability and, and, and taking more shots, but you know, I'm not really worried about that anymore because seeing how, you know, I think he could get to the free throw line more. I think he's only got, you know, been to the been, I think it's 11 attempts in the last five games. You're going to need more than that, especially during those games where Fox hasn't played. So um, you're talking about guys stepping up. It's like Harrison Barnes typically remains by, by himself. And to your point, James, when we look at it paper on paper at the end of the, at the end of the season, you're going to look at it and he's going to have a, stat line that's you're like oh okay well how do you replace that that's a that's a stat line you'd want to have it's just a lot of times you look at the box score and it's like one of eight um i think he was pretty i think i think his best game in my opinion might have i mean outside of the the utah game where he started out like a house on fire you can't do that every single game but i thought he was really good against the uh, against the uh the trailblazers and i think he was a pretty big reason why they won that game so um i'm not too worried about harrison he'll come around and again it's they have such an equal opportunity offense that uh, there's other guys that kind of take the lead there. It's what else can you provide? What else are you providing to that allows those guys become successful? Yeah. I mean, I, I think this strangely in a way, Harrison might be one of the guys that for whatever reason is more reliant on De'Aaron Fox being on the court than the other guys. Like, if you look at the two-man game that we see all the time with with Kevin Herter and Demonis Sabonis, or with Malik Monk and Demonis, or Malik Monk and JaVale McGee, like they're they're kind of reliant on each other in two-man game situations and these small games. And Harrison, like he really does rely on De'Aaron Fox drawing so much attention and him getting a wide open look in the corner or him getting a wide open look in the corner, but the guy closes out fast and he goes to the rim and he goes and either gets fouled and get, or gets a basket. So I, I think for some reason that might be the case. Like they're not running two man game with Harrison Barnes and Demontis Sabonis. We're not seeing it. We're also not seeing him come off the, the high DHO. So I think that might be one of the, uh, the changes that we've seen in the offenses here that there isn't Harrison Barnes is not part of like anything that's above like the like the free throw line he's just not so i don't want to totally get on harrison barnes when it does look like some of it is intentional by the by the coaching staff uh but at the same time like he still needs to show up and he still needs to do a better job rebounding the fact that he's averaging one assist per game um it just tells me it's not that he's being selfish it's that he's not touching the ball enough to create for anyone else. Cause he's not. And so I don't know how many possessions he's getting. I don't know. 
if I looked at his usage right now, I'm going to guarantee you his usage is way lower than, you know, we would have thought coming into the season. And yeah, his usage is at 13.7, where last season it was at 17. The year before was at almost 19. And he's a guy who's at 19 for his career. So like, it just feels like he's not really part of anything. And I don't think that they're like singling him out and saying, Hey, you can't do it anymore. So we're just going to leave you over there, but they aren't looking to get him involved. And when you're missing De'Aaron Fox for five games, that just seems like a really strange thing that he hasn't been uh, involved, but I guess it's kind of the way this team is going. Um, He'll he'll have his moments. I have one other question on Harrison. What is better? The Hassan wide side. Is it one or two? The car. It's usually one. one. It's one, right? Or, they've got. I, they, I think they have a couple different. Yeah, okay. a couple or different recordings. The Malik Monk. The hum. How'd that go? You heard it. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think I know what you're talking. Uh, can you do it one more time? Yeah. Okay. Hum. You just offended monks everywhere. I clearly like the monk one better. If you can't tell. No, I, I had to ask him about it last year because, uh, like, I'm amused by it, and I, he, he said he didn't know that they did it. That's how locked in he is, and and um, I, I'm sure he knows by now. But um, oh no, pretty... he did say after he he heard it, he's like, oh no, I like it, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't know what it was though. Oh no, yeah, that that's probably true. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> um, a chant for a monk. No, you're, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, huh. Interesting. I, I like, I like the Harrison Barnes thing because it's ridiculous. It's Hassan Whiteside and it's so anti Harrison. Like he, it, Harrison would never like, I, I can't imagine him walking into a room and like, like introducing himself as like the black Falcon. I just Senator like Barnes. Yeah, no, it's Senator Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's get to the the change, right? So the change. Um, Mike Brown had enough of a couple of players. like, And this leads to Brendan's guy, uh, Keon Ellis, uh, moving into the starting lineup, but also um, an opportunity for Kessler Edwards, who got like one of the quickest like, <laughs> like hooks I've ever seen in the game uh, against OKC. Um, but then also Alex Lynn. And I, I think the one thing I'd point out is that uh, Monty McNair, Wes Wilcox, the uh, Kings front office went out and realistically brought in three players uh, in Sasha Vazenkov, JaVale McGee and Chris Duarte. And now we're seeing that trio is down to like maybe 10 minutes a game combined. Is that a surprise to you guys? Uh, and is a surprise that like for some reason they haven't fit in right away and been meaningful and impactful uh towards winning uh i don't know if i mean it's so early you don't really have a a, a strong sample size i think this is just a a, not not everyone can play you know not everyone can play and mike brown is going to reward those as he did with keon ellis that that play the right way that play king's basketball that play the way that they're um that what their identity is supposed to be. And that comes from the Houston games. Um, I think, you know, in the case of someone like JaVale McGee, he, he's not someone that can frankly play every single game um, in my opinion. Um, and I think 
I think JaVale, Mike Brown pointed out, JaVale being a, a good vet, like Alex Len has been playing pretty well, actually. Um, and we haven't been able to say that a lot of times. And and he's he's been ready and he's been ready to go and he's not a mistake player. Like JaVale takes some risks, as, as we all know, but JaVale also can provide quite a spark on both ends of the floor. So, I mean, it's so early. I mean, if think about this way, man. We're looking at it. We're not even 10 games into the season. Um Think of Trey Lyles' struggles last year and being out of the rotation mm-hmm. and then being such an impactful player in the second half of the season where he has steady rotational minutes. I mean, we saw Sasha Vizenkov go out of games or out of the, the Portland game, um, not wondering, not knowing if he's going to be coming back anytime soon. Then he comes into the OKC game, knocks down a couple shots. Things look okay again, but it's not a whole lot of minutes there. So, I think it's just going to be one of those things where it can be a game to game proposition. See, you know, who's available to you, what the matchups look like. Uh, This is the real true definition of a team. And I think it's really interesting to have a team that finished third in the West and still afford opportunities to guys like someone like Keon Ellis, who's a two way player. And most people have no idea who he is outside of really the Sacramento area. Or Brendan. Uh, Or, or, yeah. Stockton area. Nerd Knicks like Brendan. But, uh, and then see him go out there and try to stop Shea Gilgis Alexander and have quite a few moments, especially down the stretch where, um, you know, he's defending at a high level and he's, even though he goes, you know, SGA went off for 33, like he, he was very, very disruptive. And I, and I, it, it's great. You can see a guy like that crack the, the, the starting rotation um, because guys know their roles on this team. Like ideally, yeah, Malik Monk is is going to play more minutes than he will even as a star as a starter as Keon is a starter. But Malik is has his role. He knows who he plays well with. He knows how to um, get that second unit going, and and he does so almost on a nightly basis. Even if you have a few mistakes here and there, they're able to overcome those. So it's it's going to be a, 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 a it, it'll be interesting to see. Even by the way, we still haven't seen Trey Lyles. Um, even if him and 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 Fox are ramping up their activity. Um, you know, calf strains can be very, very tricky and getting him back into the fold might take some time. And and right now I, 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 I do picture a scenario how he can get back in there, but how impactful and how effective will he be? Um, could be, could be interesting to see how Mike Brown kind of works him back in once he's ready to go. Yeah. I think it's really about rewarding guys rather than, I don't know, punishing is the right word, but rather than, you know, punishing others. I I think it's that you saw those guys play the way that the Kings want to play at the end of that Houston game. And he wanted to reward that. And I think that sends a message to everybody. Like, I think they've done this really well throughout the last year and going into last season too, like giving Deontay Burton a contract or DJ Stewart, something at the beginning of last year, like rewarding guys that are doing what you ask. And that sends a message that even if you're not really that, much of a part of rotation on a nightly basis, we will see that you are doing what we're asking and you'll eventually get more opportunity. So I think that's exactly what we've been seeing. You know, Keon has fit in really well. He's a great defender. Him and Davion are both great defenders, but they do it so differently. It's interesting to watch. Like Davion is very lateral and deceleration and strong. And Keon just has great hands. Like he's poking away uh, loose balls. He's getting blocks. He has great hands, great instincts. Um, it's shocking that he was not like always a defender. Like this didn't start until he went to Alabama in his junior year when he actually started caring about defense. And that's shocking to me because he looks so, so instinct, instinctual. 
That was quite a word. Um, and, you know, Kessler is a defensive guy. Like, Alex Lynn, I think, is a better defender than JaVale McGee. I think Alex has been great. And I'm just going to say, I, I do think I said on this pod that are we sure Alex is not better than JaVale? And I am still not sure. Like, Alex played well last year when he did get opportunity. I, you know, I don't know why exactly he didn't get opportunity throughout the course of the season, possible handful of reasons, but I think Alex has been great. And the pick and roll is still there with Malik Monk, right? Like that's JaVale's greatest strength is that pick and roll with Malik Monk. Malik was able to run that with Alex a couple times in these games. And I think it's been going okay. So I think these guys are playing well. I'm interested to see what'll happen when, when they get healthy, specifically at that point guard, like De'Aaron comes back. What happens? Well, I think I know what happens, but I'm going to like, you two got bamboozled by Mike Brown. Like, okay. What are you talking about? I'm just going to say, I'm going to say straight up. If I have a straight A student in the house, I don't have to reward a straight A student for we, getting straight what A's. We, what are we doing I, here? I, I'm saying What's this analogy. I don't have to James. reward a straight A student because they're already a straight A student. And I don't have to say like, hey, I'll give you $20 every A. Now, is Darren Fox a straight A student in this analogy? Not no, no, no. I'm just telling you guys, like <laughs> guys, guys are getting rewarded for playing the right way. Uh, other dudes aren't playing because they didn't play the right way and they've got to go to the bench because they weren't we the kings kept losing. Well that's what the hell did what the hell do you think I said? You guys are like, oh I like, oh, I think this is about rewarding players. No. This is about yes, you re- rewarded some guys who who in like literally in a blowout went out there and they did nice things in a blowout. Like, that's not the way this usually goes. The only reason a door was open it was because other players weren't playing well enough. JaVale McGee, like, he wasn't playing well enough. Sasha Vazenkov, he wasn't playing well enough. And Davion Mitchell was not playing well enough. And so you rewarded other guys, but you also, that's disguising the fact that you were not rewarding some other, you were saying, I'm done. I'm done with this. This isn't cutting it. And I got to go try something else. Kessler Edwards, you get in there instead of Sasha. Uh, Alex Lynn, you go. I'm done watching what's happening. And uh, Davion Mitchell, you're going back to the second unit. and like, Which is not where gonna... he should stay. I mean, that's what he's yes. best at. I mean, he it's much like Malik Monk. That's where that's where he's most effective. And yeah, you he's next man up. You put him in there. But um, giving somebody like Keon Ellis, who you know, deserved the, deserved a shot and an opportunity based off of certainly, I mean, it could, some could say it was an overreaction, but it completely worked. My point is yes. In an, in a, in a more blunt fashion. Yes. Guys were out because they weren't playing well. I'm with you there, but that's going to happen throughout the course of a season. That's what coaching is. So meaning that once you get through, when this team is healthy, once you get through your seven man after that, it's, it's, it can be a revolving door of people. It could be, you know, I don't think you'll ever have a, a, a true eight, nine and 10 that, that, you know, who you might know who you like in that position better than others in terms of a bulk minutes at the, at the when you, look I at agree the with season, you. Right. I, I eight, agree. Nine, 10, that you whole, might have somebody yes. there, but, but it will be a revolving cast of characters based on who is playing well and who is most uh, adept in being able to go with matchups and things like that. Like, 
certainly JaVale McGee is is going to play again this season. I don't want anyone to think that he's in the no. doghouse. And, no. and it's like he he's accepting of that. Like Davion Mitchell, like probably could have started. And I think he has the temperament of a, of a, of an athlete and as a player and as a winner who went, no, I'm, I know what my role is like. He said as much, I don't think he went to Mike and said, Hey, bench me, <laughs> but he he's, he knows that he still serves a purpose on this team. And he was fantastic in that second unit in that game against Portland. So um, yeah, I, I, I like, I, I like things that you've seen from, from Davion, but I think speaking to the more broader point though, is they have a lot of guys that will be called upon in different parts. And like, if anyone, like, for example, yeah, Keon Ellis is fantastic right now, right? He's, he's really impactful. Is he a rotational player? Probably not. He's probably, probably not. not going He'll to probably be... spend most of his season in Stockton. Correct. So like, just, you know, don't want people to be like, oh, they were talking so much great things about Keon Ellis. He did such a good thing. You know, Darren Fox comes back and now he's back in Stockton. Like it's, he's Keon Ellis. He's yeah. So we just, to... we just did this with Kobe Jones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And to Brennan, your question, like very specifically, when De'Aaron's back, Davion is still the backup point guard, and yeah. and Keon Ellis is is out of the rotation most likely. Like that's that's probably unless unless Chris Duarte has played himself out of the out of the long term plan as well, and then maybe that becomes like a spot where Colby Jones and Keon Ellis will be battling it out for some sort of you know, nine, nine and a half, that little half that we keep talking about that player. But for me, like Mike Brown could not run his, his team out there again and post an 89 pace. Like that's why they made this change. They didn't make this change because, you know, everything was great. And someone was like excelling in their, their 10 minutes of, of like cleanup garbage duty. They made this change because something was broken and the guys that are playing weren't doing the job that they were asked to be doing. I mean, again, this team went from 104 pace in the first three games and it was like someone hit them over the head with a sledgehammer and they dropped to like 93, they got to 95, they dropped to 89 in pace. Like Mike Brown's like beside himself. Like I, I can't keep watching my team walk the ball up the court. When it, that's not the idea. That's not the plan. And you got to go like, you got to take a step back. The reason why, uh, again, why Davion Mitchell looks much better with the second unit is because Malik Monk is running the pace with that second unit. He's running the point guard position. He's pushing the tempo. It, it's because Davion was in the starting unit and he was not doing that. So kudos to, to Keon Ellis for going out there and going, all right, here's my opportunity. I'm an NBA player. That's what I got the last couple of days. Like whether he's a top 15 player, I mean, a top like 12 player or top nine player, I don't know. But he certainly just said, hey, I'm an NBA player. If it doesn't work out here, I'm an NBA player somewhere else. So that's just my take. Um, so again, I, you're not rewarding somebody because they did something that, that always does something right. You, you're rewarding somebody who like somebody else needed to move out of the, the starting lineup or out of the rotation. So they were a better option. Yeah, they right. provided that they proved to them, uh, to the coaching staff in a very small sample size that they were a better option. And, and, you know, again, he had to make massive changes. Um, what do you guys make of the fact, like I, I started that discussion with, like, I, I think it's a bold move by Mike Brown to look at his team and say, okay, 
all the three guys that Monty McNair went out and got, you're not playing. And I'm going with something different. It's, it's, it, it, that's coaching. Like Monty McNair's job is to fill the cupboard and Mike Brown is to set the table. So, um, well, and I should be fair too. I, I, I want to be fair here. Mike Brown wanted JaVale McGee. There's no question. So like that, that signing is a, like, I, I don't want to pin that all on a, and cause like I'm causing some sort of controversy between Monty McNair and yeah. and Mike Brown, but go ahead. Well, and, and, but just not to overreact again, we're not even 10 games in. So no. like, this isn't the story of the season. So like these guys will be called upon at various points of the season to be able to contribute. And um, like, there's nothing in my mind that screams that JaVale McGee is an everyday player. Uh, and, and I think people are probably wise to that now, but he's, he's going to be called upon again. You're going to be seeing him plenty of times in a King's uniform. Um, Chris Duarte is a guy who's going to play as just as he's going to play well too. He's not going to be a guy who, uh, I think is this diminished in the lineup and, and hopefully the next time his number is called upon, he played last night. Um, it's not, and he's playing smaller minutes, but I think now he, he'll, figure out what what he what is needed of him to be able to run the way that they want him to run you can't foul every time you're out on the floor and he to his credit he plays with a physicality but he fouls a lot and yeah you know mike, that doesn't bother and it doesn't bother mike mike wants i mean he's talked about it it shows the ability to be a physical team but when you, you foul the clip that he's fouling at like that's that that can be a problem yeah, and I would say that like Mike has that thing that we we talked about last year with the the center position, and it was really based on like the Namias Keda thing. Like I can't put you in the game for three minutes, and next thing you know, we're in the penalty, right? And and that's what Chris Duarte's done like multiple times already this season. And I, I like again, I think he's still trying to get acclimated to being back on the court after a really long layoff. And he's and, a third year reaching, player. The reaching is is has been a just a problem. I think it was been you know that's what bad defensive teams do who are trying to show that they're capable of trying to defend at a high level is they reach a lot. And what do you see early in the season? You see a lot of calls. You see a lot of officiating play a factor because they're points of emphasis. Correct. Correct. So get to December, get, get through, get through November and it it all kind of even out and we'll have a much better read on what this team is and what certain guys are and who plays well with what and, you know, I know Mike Brown talks about looking at the season as five game increments. The analytics will take 10 games and they'll break it up in that way. And that'll take a more true sample size of what certain people are. And we're not at that point yet. Yeah, it's a process. I know there's a lot of continuity, but this is still a process to figure out what is the best for each individual season. Last year, Casey Paul is starting. Obviously, Rashawn Holmes is a part of the rotation. Um, Sean mentioned earlier, Trey Lyles became more of a staple in the rotation as the year went on. And it's just takes some time. Like they're going to work through and figure out what is the best with the options that they have. And yep. again, I think we said this last episode, I'm willing to bet on the unanimous coach of the year. Oh. Right. And to that point, I mean, he's talking about like, you know, with the exception of guys like Domas Fox, and I'd probably lump Malik Monk into that category just based on talent alone and, and what, what they provide you. Outside of that, that it, it it's tough for him to have to look at this team and and go with who plays the right way, um, and and I know that sounds like a very you know elementary school kind of approach 
to, to you know, if you're not playing well and you don't play the right way, I'm just going to bench you. Um, but Mike Brown's not afraid to do it. And <laughs> it, it could come at a detriment, but I think this team has got a togetherness and a cohesiveness to where they will hold each other accountable. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't, make anybody pull their hair out to say, Oh, I can't believe Chris Duarte is not playing as much as he factored in or Sasha, who was the, you know, European Euro league MVP to see him diminish in a role like this. It's like, no, he needs to be brought along. Like he, there's a lot of development for this NBA game that, that still needs to come. And he, he can easily get there, you know, and we're looking at the G league that's already tipped off and, and see where, see where the season comes. You might be seeing a player or two down there and, and get some, get some bulk minutes there. All right. Uh, before we get to the business of basketball, what do you think Chris Duarte is averaging uh, fouls per 36? God, like 7.2. Sean, it might be higher. That's a pretty good number. I'll go six and a half. Seven point three. Yeah. Knock my mic over. Knock your mic Hell off. yes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a lot. Okay, right when you get... said the seven point two, I was like, that's a really good number. That's probably small. <laughs> yeah. Seven point <laughs> three fouls per thirty six. He's averaging over over four fouls per game. Like you should probably bet the over uh there, right there. Um all right, let's get to uh Let's get to the business of basketball. Uh, yeah, my voice is trashed. My voice is absolutely. I feel trashed. like Sean and I need to like have roles when that's happening. Like we should add like, some like, like I can just like a dun dun dun, and you make some oh, noise. Oh, oh, like we gotta we gotta figure it out. Brainstorm. No, figure okay. it out. Put Maybe. on a your your thinking Hurley hat and get back to me. <laughs> we we don't have we workshop uh, that. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we don't have buttons that I can push. Like like I don't like. That's like get being in the replay machine. Those we are could fun. get that set no, up. No, like being in radio, like there are yeah. things like buttons that we push that, that like it's called instant replay. Yeah. Oh, all right. It's so awesome. like there that. are stream yard options. Just saying we can get this figured out. Yeah. Uh, like you will be slept on no more. That's one of our favorites from Michael Parsons or I am a winner from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Anyway, let's get to the business back to basketball. Uh, I should have a business to basketball and then like uh, rejoiner music and everything. I, I don't um, look at James, the radio guy now. Oh no. It, I, it's, I'm, it's, I'm learning. It's, fun it's happening. It, it, it's happening, Sean. Um, you can catch me on ESPN 1320 from 10 to <laughs> noon, Monday through Friday huh. on the insiders with Kyle Madsen. Hmm. There we go. All right. Uh, brought to you by Jiffy loop. Our friends. I over bought Jiffy Kyle Madsen uh, Chipotle last night. Cause um, the... a lot of us went to Chipotle last night. <laughs> Every night I has definitely had Chipotle, Chipotle last night. night. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. Every yeah. night has become a Chipotle <laughs> night. I still haven't done the Chipotle thing. When I'm eating halftime hot dogs, you know things have gone horribly wrong. You said um, that. What's that? You said that. You said, I need a halftime hot dog. I need a halftime hot dog because uh, per, uh, I don't know what's happening. Um, did you put some sriracha on it? I, I did that. I, I Like Sean, there's nothing you could do to help it. Uh, let's let's get to the business <laughs> of basketball. <laughs> We're talking about the hot dog or the, the media food. No, the, no, no. The, the mustard on a hot dog, dog is fine. I was fine with mustard okay. on a hot dog, but like I should not be eating hot dogs at, at 930 at night. That's just not no, healthy. It's frowned upon. 
Yeah, it's front of Quan. Um, Brendan just eats his. We don't have to talk about it. That's not true. It's actually, yeah. Anyways, anyways, I've gotten more shit this year. Okay. Good. Mike Brown said something uh, that I think is probably very, very accurate. And he said he was talking to his son and he was like, I'm kind of glad we're going through adversity. And I actually believe Mike in this, in this point. Do you? Would Mike like everything to be like, oh my gosh, we're amazing. Sure. Yes. But <laughs> I actually think that like if you're Mike Brown and you need Keegan Murray to take a leap and you might even need Kevin Herter to take a leap if you're this team and you want to take and you want to be great, like which is what Mike Brown keeps talking about. He keeps talking about championships. This team needs to not only learn how to play when De'Aaron Fox is out, but they also need to have the confidence to go out there when Fox is there and be as good as they can be. And I feel like, like, again, Keegan Murray probably wouldn't have had this, this huge nosedive if it wasn't for, if De'Aaron Fox was there, maybe he would still be missing three point shots, but I don't think we would have seen this degree. But the fact that it's been like under a microscope is a big deal. And I think it's probably going to be good for the development of Keegan Murray. So I'm just going to ask you guys, am I crazy? Or do you guys kind of see where we're going with what Mike Brown's saying, what I just said? Like, this is an opportunity for guys that wouldn't normally have this opportunity to be forced into the limelight. And now they are. What'd you uh, say, Sean, about Sean and I earlier that we got bamboozled by Mike or something like that? Oh, I think we need yeah. a Uno reverse card saying, right here. Yeah, an Uno reverse card. Take that, James. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that it's the it's an optimistic approach to it. It's like finding a way that this can be a good thing. I don't know that it's necessarily like if Mike got to choose two different paths. I, I guess you'd rather have the adversity early on than later in the year. It's going to happen at some point, right? Um, so I, I do think it's beneficial. Like they've responded well. A handful of guys we've seen respond in different ways. Like Kevin had his own individual adversity that we talked about and he's powered through and we've seen Keegan do that a little bit. And, and the team as a whole, you know, they're sitting at 15th defensively right now. Like I, I think one of the most notable things he said post game was that, you know, the way that we shot this game, we lose this game last year, but they won on the defensive end. And so I, I think we've seen a lot of progress. I do think the adversity plays a factor. I think if uh, he had a choice, I do still think he would prefer to just be seven and L right now, but you know, there are positives that come from it for sure. It's only been five games, but I think Mike Brown uh, was like the rest of us. We wanted to see how the quality depth of this team could handle a loss of Deer and Fox and, or Demonis Sabonis. And you're getting um, a little peek into that. Certainly it's not, well, knock on wood, hopefully it's not a 15-game absence or anything like that, but um, it, it's 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 looking as if you're, you're starting to have to figure yourself out. And I think what's disappointing to him, and it's what we, kind of the overall theme of this podcast has been, is um, looking at how the Kings have gone from looking one way with one player to completely losing their identity or losing what they what they do well. I mean, certainly, even with that top-flight all-star that they have, um, they have some shortcomings, especially on the defensive end, and that's well-documented. But 
who knew that they would go from you know looking like the the ferrari to a clunker uh, on the side of the road and that's what they that's what they did so um you're starting to have some of those answers uh, on film that you're able to kind of sit there and play over and over and over again in, in efforts to try to fix it before your Ferrari comes back and try to get yourself up, up to the level. That's a, it's an ex more of acceptable level, especially on the offensive end. So uh, yeah, he, it, it's a curiosity that he, he just like the rest of us, we were all thinking how, what's this going to look like? Can they endure it? Can they, I mean, let's, let's face it after five games that, that deer and Fox has been out, let's say he plays on, um, when do they play again? Tuesday? Monday. Monday, excuse me. It's a long week. All these days are blending together. Uh, whether they he agree. plays or not, like, let's just pretend he plays. Going forward, does everyone just go, okay, well, we know what that looks like. And if you were to say, we know what that looks like, how do you define it? I mean, it, again, it's an early season five-game absence. I don't know that you can fully have your answer. I don't think, I think you can have theories, and I think you can have glimpses as to what it looks like. It's not good. Uh, and I still think if he was to play Monday, the overall theme would be the overall, at least um, whatever you would grade, it would not be a good grade. Right? No. I mean, C without minus? De'Aaron Fox, without De'Aaron Fox, no. Uh, D it's plus? Way, well below yes. that. And that's being, yeah, it's being, you know, pretty Yeah, without De'Aaron Fox, the Kings are last in offensive rating over the last five games at 103.8. Mm. Right. This team was at what one eighteen point six last year, right? Without without De'Aaron Fox in the lineup, the Kings are at a ninety six point five nine pace, off of like they were at a one oh four with with Fox. Like I, I would say that you didn't get a you you got a failing grade straight up, and the fact that that you're two and three over the stretch, okay, but you almost lost in overtime. Uh, you, you could have won a game. So it's very possible they could have been three and two. Um, if, if Clay Thompson misses a shot, sure. but still this, you take the Aaron Fox away and you have you lose your identity completely. That's a, that's a problem in my book. I, I, and, and by the way, I'm of the opinion that this isn't what they really are. I mean, I think this, that's not a true test of, or, or an accurate depiction of what they are without the Fox. I want to hear and what I Brandon has to say. When well, I, I don't know. The, the expectation he's, is also he's got I hand think, signs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All I'm saying is that sounds like one of the most valuable players in the league. You know, oh, just strengthen his oh, case. Oh no, just strengthen his case. I'm just saying. Can you go take a lap? <laughs> you just put put him in the MVP candidate. See. All this right, uh, we got to wrap this thing up. Uh, let's do final thoughts. Brendan, you have any final thoughts? Yeah, my window is in front of me, but I'm going to look that way just for, cool. you know, for the bit. Okay. Dramatic effect. Um, it seems very interesting to cover <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies. Saddle up, boys. Saddle up Saddle is an up. amazing quote. That was and wild. It needs to go on a t-shirt. It's a great line from Taylor Jenkins. It makes me think of David Fisdale's Take That for Data. Like, it's it's electric. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was just a great time. He get, time. Is he going to get 100K for that? Maybe saddle up one of the most poorly officiated games I've ever seen. Record it. I'm fine with it. Effing atrocious. He didn't say effing. He, no, he did not. 
No, he did <laughs> no, not. He did not. Saddle up. Saddle Make up. A t-shirt. Sean, what do you got for us? Oh, my final <laughs> thoughts. I have no window to look out of. It's behind me. I so didn't either. Missing... Just play the part. Oh. Damn it. Um, my <laughs> final thoughts. I can't. Uh, I, I, I kind of got nothing. You know what I did? So last night, I'm, I'm always. Uh-oh. I wasn't the last person to leave the arena, so that was a good thing. That that that, but I was trying to hightail it out to uh, meet friends and meet people um, at, at local establishments, and uh, thought that when we had gotten down to to you know last call and all that kind of stuff, that my night would be done. It was not. Who knew? And I'm going to leave it at this: that Sacramento could be such a reggae scene that I came to learn. And then it would keep me out till five in the morning. You asshole. I was texting you at like 1.30 and I got no first invite all, to this. First of all, I will say. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> where you went and where I went were completely different places. And then they this were. guy goes at 1.08 a.m. 1.08 uh, Like, I think because <laughs> I, yeah, and he, it's like, he's like, so I forget what you said. I remember the timestamp, but it was like. I, I could make it over there. It was like, oh, it's last call in like 20 minutes. Like, that's no good. The, it was a very last second. I had a friend of mine call and was like, hey, got this thing going on. And what an eye opening experience. That was <laughs> a lot of fun. Wow. So, yeah. Sean had a good evening. A reggae. I, I would have been like, down for that. Vibe. It was in. I, I showed up like stranger in a strange land and had the time of my life. Was this in like an apartment or was this at a, an can, I can't really go before, go much further than that, hmm. but it was a under a bridge. No, <laughs> it's cold outside. Brendan, what's wrong? With wow. You? It's definitely indoors. Weird, weird stuff is happening in Sean's life. Um, yeah, I chose the mature thing and went oh, home yeah? after the game because hmm. I had uh, been up, since like i don't know see one of the times you go you choose to go out you just have to get like a hotel room or something because that's that's a you 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 live in another state and that's really difficult to enjoy the nightlife so that's true i i probably should just stay down what every once in a while just to have a good time and and go out but um i don't know it was it was a long day plus like a saturday night would be way easier than a friday night because again friday I I've got the show and like, it's, it's early. I'm getting up early. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, final thoughts. I don't really have any final thoughts tonight. It's dark outside. <laughs> so window. I don't need to look out the window. I, I'm going to go out to dinner with my wife this evening. I'm going to have, oh, yeah. Time. What are you going to have? Without, uh, you don't have to name get... the establishment, but what kind of, what kind of fare will you be enjoying? We're going to go to a new, well, it's not a new spot, but it's a spot I haven't been to. It's called the Tin lantern, which is in, uh, Meadow Vista. I don't know. Like we're gonna try something new, something different. Meet Brendan, my, do you know uh, where Meadow Vista is? My best Absolutely friend and his wife. Not. Sounds nope. like you take a yellow brick road to get there. I got no clue. It's up uh, Highway 80. It's like Applegate, Meadow Vista, right there. Oh, Applegate snows up there, right? It smells. Yeah, he no, snows. <laughs> snows. No, Applegate <laughs> is where they stop traffic. No, Manteca smells. Uh, no, Applegate is wow, where they shot, stop. Shout out to our Jesus. Manteca listeners. Yeah, it always has. It's like a like an oil refinery or some sort Scott of. Scott Brooks will fight you. Yeah, Scott Brooks, bring it on. Manteca does not smell good. Like the it, even like going to the water slides when you're a kid, you're like, do we really have to go all the way to Manteca? Yeah. <laughs> yes, was the answer. Um, have the Great Wolf Lodge down there now. 
Oh, yeah. I, it, it did change to that, right? Huge. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Applegate is where they make you, uh, they check to make sure you have chains. That's where, when it is snowing, it's below the snow line, but it's right there where they're like, okay, do you have chains or not? And that's where they stop traffic. So, anyway, uh, I don't think I really have any final thoughts. Um, I'm good. Like, it should be uh, an entertaining cool. week of Kings basketball. They got, we got a game on Monday, and then they're on. We, the, we, do, we do not have a game on Monday. We, 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 will we, we have a game to cover show. on Monday. We have a game to cover on Monday. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then the Sacramento Kings go on a six game road trip starting Wednesday in Los Angeles against the Lakers. Still a big couple of days, and we have no idea when uh, De'Aaron Fox or Trey Lyles will be back. I'd love to tell you we do, but we don't. At least, not that I can tell. Looked uh, like he was ramping up his activity in terms of Deer and Fox, and that that is... ten days ago, <laughs> Trey Lyles did a full workout in front of us, right? like sweating and everything, and we haven't seen yeah. hide nor hair of that dude on the court. So you haven't seen what hide nor hair. It's a it is a saying, huh? I've Look never it up. heard that in my life. Hide Look nor hair. Yep. There we go. All right. I thought you would uh, hear it. At- establishment you were at last night i was yeah. at a reggae <laughs> no the prior <laughs> the prior <laughs> first of all no that place is not what is advertised uh, oh personally. okay yeah all sure. right i think i know where sean was <laughs> everyone knows where i go it's kind of like a i don't i don't want to put it out there but the place is uh fantastic it's uh i'll just say it cabin cabin is fantastic and if anyone thinks that, like, oh, it's going to be some, like, no, it's very eclectic and very popular. It's not like All Goldfields. Right. Goldfield, Goldfields is cool, too. But, like, I think people think of, like, Goldfields and what Goldfields is, and they go, oh, that's what's at the cabin. It's like, no, no, it's not. Well, all right. It wasn't no tiger. Judge, no judgment here. But <laughs> what's there's that? a reason I don't want to go. I can't hey, handle. I was hanging tonight. out with D'Lo and Casey. Marshall, uh, Marshall was Marshall in town. Harris. Marshall Harris was in town, and I hung out with a handful of people. Okay, it wasn't my Good idea. Good people. Yeah. I almost just headed over there afterwards, and then I didn't after the game. Like Brennan, you and I were walking out together. Yeah. I almost like went over and set my bag down and went back out. But yeah, as much as I love the good people at Tiger and uh, the people who are behind all that uh th- those scenes are i'm not the most clubby type of i need more of the kickback kind of thing so oh yeah that was the first it's... time i've ever been in that place and honestly the first time i've ever been in like a clubby type place in my life oh okay all right that's something about you right, yeah sure. i've been to some clubby type sure. places more experienced all right, okay. we, we just keep dragging this thing out. That's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat <laughs> Podcast. Uh, if you're still watching for some reason, I'm not sure why you would this late, uh, give us a thumbs up, uh, subscribe to the channel, jump on board with the Kings Beat, go to thekingsbeat.com and uh, become a premium subscriber. Uh, go check out all of Sean's work at Fox 40. Um, you have our Twitter handles are not on here, uh, but uh, also check out everything Brendan is doing at the King's Pulse podcast and other places. And uh, drop by and see me uh, Monday through Friday uh, from 10 to noon on ESPN 1320 with my dude Kyle Madsen on the Insiders. So thanks for tuning into the King's Beat podcast for Fox 40, Sean Cunningham and Brenda Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. 
I am James Hamm, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Make sure to jump on board with prize picks. We'll see you very soon. Saddle up.